Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrier. And we're not experts. We're not. We're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. You know, I just this weekend started rewatching The Comeback on Max. Oh, starring Lisa Kudrow. One of my favorite shows of all time, Kate. One of the best TV shows ever made. But there's like this fantastic scene, this like montage of her working on a line from this pilot script and the different ways she can say it. And I realized I was just doing that in the intro of this podcast. Oh, that's so funny. That's one of the best shows. I was like, I am going to read. This feels like a good comfort rewatch. I'm going to put this on. And boy, did it deliver. Wow. It's the best. It's so fucking funny and smart. Mm. Mm. It's so good. She's so good. And it's the uh, first season's like from 2000 and I don't know, five, six. Like it's so, it's pretty old. Mm -hmm. And then they did the second season many years later, but that first season is, oh, it's just, it's just so good. Anyway, anyway, I realize it's basically I'm Valerie Cherish is what I'm saying. <laughs> I am Valerie Cherish. <laughs> Not the best person to compare yourself to, but I'm, that's... I'm, I'm bowing to you like she does. Thank you. Like she does. <laughs> oh, so cringe. As my kids and all the kids today would say, so, so cringe. So cringe. Just like the epitome of cringe. Is Valerie Cherish? Ugh. I feel um, like cringe really has taken off. Has it? Not like in a positive way. It's just like this constant monitoring of people being cringe, and it's kind of like, oh, it's good or bad. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does feel like it's just something that is like constantly. You, you always have to be like constantly worried that someone is going to be like taking a video of you. <laughs> Yes. And like, I think it's great to call people out sometimes like Valerie Cherish, cringe, totally. I mean, obviously, that's a fictional character, but you know what I mean. But like, I feel like the kind of worrying about doing something cringe, especially like watching my kids kind of have that concern. Like cringe is just being like too excited about things. Like, it's such an arbitrary determination of like, mm -hmm. what is cringe? I guess also I'm seeing it through like, 
a teenager and a tween who are constantly telling me like when I'm cringe. So <laughs> are they? Yeah. My <laughs> life is fucking crazy with a third. <laughs> you want to, uh, it's wild over here. Wow. It's wild. It's really intense having a 13 year old and an almost 11 year old I in terms of imagine. the feedback, the eye rolling, the emotions. Yeah, but I am like very cringe. <laughs> I guess like this is just like this is just the fate of everyone who has children. Yes, I'm assuming like when your son is 13, the cringe might not be the word that they use. Like, But it'll be the same just, idea. Yes. It's just interesting to me that like the the topic of cringe is kind of this like cultural conversation amongst mm -hmm. like, Gen Z and Alpha right now. And I like for generations that often feel so open-minded and inclusive, it's so interesting to me that they like are also so aware and like a little bit judgmental of people who are cringy totally i mean i think it's like it is i think it's it is about like establishing your own identity well right? and also i do feel like the generation before them like millennials are like inherently cringy like that is their that is like the whole personality of and i, I say this like lovingly but isn't that kind of essentially what millennials are i mean taylor swift like talks like basically talks about this like she embraces yes. being millennial cringe yes i'm so just saying I, i'm just saying i think it's it is like it's a way of at this like very pivotal age where emotions are like very heightened and everyone is trying to carve out like who they are mm. that defining yourself against other things is like a very natural response so by them saying, "Ugh, you're so cringe!" Like everything you do is cringe. Like they're saying, "I'm my own person." Mm, okay, that's a nice way of looking at it. Like just I want my, that for them. Just I my appreciate thoughts. that. Well, you know, I appreciate you being because, my like, parenting until, therapist you know, for this. Yeah, until you are that age, like you are kind of like your your parents do dictate so much of who you are and what you do, and like yeah as you kind of enter that tween age, you start to say like, well, I'm not, you know, I, I want to forge my own path. Therefore, everything that these people who have been telling me what to do for 10 years or however long is cringe and I want no part of it. Yes. I think I must have, I certainly felt the same way. A hundred percent. I mean, I like wouldn't go out in public with my mom when she wore a certain jacket. <laughs> Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. And like <laughs> now we're like, oh, that that jacket was actually like kind of cute. No, Dory, it was actually like we still have the jacket. My dad still has the jacket. It is a it is a harrowing jacket. It is a floor oh, wow. like a full length puffer jacket, orangey red on the outside, bright yellow on the inside. And my mom loved it. And you like, you know, we're we're talking people. We're talking Massachusetts where everybody just is gray. Yeah, that's true. So she really stood out and I didn't want to stand out when I was mm -hmm. 13 years old, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I get it. Anyway, but now I now I love the now I love it for who, you know, it represents who my mom was. She didn't give a fuck about what I thought, 13 age me. No. She wasn't she going to be stifled by my criticisms. 
<laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, you know what? I did like um, my like number one self care thing that I've had on my agenda for over a year. I finally did it. Ooh, I, I scheduled my preventative cancer screening MRI. Okay. This is exciting. I don't know. I'm a little nervous because I've never had an MRI. Yeah. You asked me if I had had an MRI and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you would remember. Right? I remember like going into a thing, but maybe it was a CT scan. Isn't it? Isn't that similar? I honestly don't know. I, I have, I'm very privileged to not have had to get any of these things. Okay. Yes. A CT scan is similar. I feel like I had a CT scan when I had a stress fracture. Okay. So I think I did too. They only, because it was on my foot, they only put like my half my body in to the machine. This, oh, I think I'm going to be all the way fully in. in. Yes. And to be clear, I'm part of a, like, a, I'm in a program at a hospital here in Los Angeles for people who are at high risk for pancreatic cancer because of, like, genetics, right? So I'm not doing, like, one of those, um, like, Pronovo. Have you seen, like, all those Prenuvo things? There's no. like a There's, like, a company now where I keep seeing on my Instagram, especially with influencers, they they do like whole body scans basically, but you pay out of pocket and it's extremely expensive. Um, but this is I'm I'm part of this like I don't know if it's a study or a group or whatever, but it's like uh, high risk preventative something something. So that's what I'm doing. So they basically I get an MRI every few years, and this is my first one. And it's because my mom had pancreatic cancer. There's no real early detection for it, so that's what this is. Okay. And I'm going, I think I go all the way in, like choo-choo. I'm going in that yeah. machine. I so, just Googled what's the difference between an MRI and a CT scan. What um, is the difference? Educate so, us on this. The, I guess the CT scan, okay, here. A CT scan uses x-rays to create detailed pictures of organs, bones, and other tissues. The person lies on a table that moves through a scanning ring, which looks like a large donut. This is from um, Memorial Sloan Kettering's website. The data collected can be assembled to form three-dimensional images. And then an MRI also creates detailed pictures of areas inside the body, but it uses radio waves and a powerful magnet to generate the pictures. The person also lies on a table that moves into a donut-shaped device, but the donut is much thicker. <laughs> so it's kind of the same experience. It sounds like I don't. I, I don't know. Um, I think maybe the MRI takes longer. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. CT scan is like you're in and out. Okay. MRIs. It says takes 20 to 40 minutes okay i get claustrophobic and so i'm just gonna figure out how to work through that okay. and it'll be fine okay but i'm i am a little nervous for it so if anyone has like hot tips on mris let me know okay let me know. But I do feel like this for me is the ultimate in taking care of myself because 
Uh, it also uh, requires me to confront my number one fear, which is uh, getting pancreatic cancer. So, you know, I, that's like also kind of terrifying for me. The mm. knowing, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think for a lot of people, the like fear is so great that find like, it's like people, it's like that fear of going to the doctor. It's like, you don't want to know, you know? Yeah, totally. So, um, but I also, you know, but again, this for me is like the ultimate and how I could take care of myself. So I feel very like, I'm like proud. I finally did it. It's hard for me to make appointments with the old executive function issues I have. So it did take me over a year to make this appointment. Look, I get that. But I finally did it today. Finally fucking did it. Okay. Amazing. <sighs> Amazing. I'm proud of you, Kate. I mean, thank you. I I might I'm gonna need to figure out what to listen to if I can have headphones and listen I think to you something. Can. I think you can. Yeah. I'm gonna need to like make a podcast playlist or something to listen to in there. Just catch um, up on old daily episodes maybe Kate you know what I haven't I don't I don't think I've discussed this on the podcast but I've been going back to Broadway dance class is back in person so I'm so happy for you because I feel like this this was like a real soul activity for you it was Broadway dance class it was and That's true and it was taken away from you in the pandemic. It was taken away from me in the pandemic. It's true. And it has it is back and does this mean that the teacher is here in Los Angeles again? So no, he okay. moved to the desert at the beginning of the pandemic and he's doing like classes every 2 weeks at a studio in the valley where he's just like renting a studio. Um, and you can like sign up on his website, which is josephcarella.com. Um, and if you get on his mailing list, you can find out info on the, on the in-person classes. He's still doing his live streams. Um, but you know, there's really nothing like an in-person class. No, there's not. It's the best. Um, so yeah. So it's a little inconsistent. Like you don't know exactly when the next one's going to be. and I, you know, I don't know, but I've gone to three of them in the last couple of months and it's been great. And do you feel like, in addition to just the physical release of dance and moving, what is the like joy release for you? Um, is there one? I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe you're purely just like, I love to dance. But do you feel like there's a little bit of a like getting out of your head release too? Yeah. I mean, there has to be because you're like learning a new combination. Mm. That's so interesting. That's right. Because you're learning choreography. You're not just like working out. Right. Or free it, dancing. The way the class is structured is the first half of the class is like a warm up and the warm-up is usually pretty much the same to the same songs. And it's, the, those are the same routines. Sometimes he throws in a new one and he teaches it to you, but like, it's generally the same. And then the second half of class, you learn a completely new routine to a different song every time. 
That sounds hard, Dory. So, yeah, you have to be like very focused. Um, and it's fun. It's very fun. I highly recommend it. I will say if you have never done it before, you might want to take one of his live stream classes or he also has um he has like an online studio where you I think you have to sign up for a subscription, but you can get all the past live stream classes also um and just like practice especially the warm-up just so you kind of have a sense of you know what's going on how did you stumble across broadway dance class originally class like, pass what? oh wow does that still exist i think it class got pass? bought um i think it got bought by mind body which is oh, like the class wow. scheduling Oh, software. I know it. Don't um, know mind body. But I think it does still exist. I didn't we ta- I feel like we talked about this cuz didn't someone ask about it? Um yes, it still exists. I stopped doing it because like <laughs> I remember when I first signed up, they were offering unlimited classes. <laughs> So, like, there were people who were taking, like, five Pilates classes a day. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, yeah. You could do, like, unlimited classes. Oh, my god! And then they gradually kind of, like, whittled it down. So, and it was, like, harder to find stuff that I was interested in. And then the pandemic hit, and it was, like, mm. um, Right. But, yeah, I found this class through ClassPass and just, like, randomly signed up for it. Oh my gosh. I, I'm sure you've told me that before, but I don't, I don't remember. And that's, that's wild. It's like meeting on a blind date, you know? It's totally. Like, yeah. You don't thought? know what you're walking into. No, but so, you found your thing. Yeah. I found my thing. <sighs> I'm glad you're back at it. Thank you so much. Me too. Um, yeah. I, I have this like fantasy of dancing. I don't know that like that's one of those things like remember we were talking about like life things that you kind of wish you'd always done but you never did. Yeah, dancing is that for me in a lot of ways. In addition to running a marathon, <laughs> but I do think the ship has sailed. Do you remember when I was taking tap dancing? I do remember that. Dory. What happened to that? Okay, so that was disrupted by COVID because I started that in January 2020. It was ballet tap combo class at our parks and recreation. And it was like beginners, but then it was so not for beginners for so not for people who had never done either of those things before. Like, Oh no. And so I truly had no freaking idea what I was doing. It was very humbling, but yes, but it was disrupted by, um, I mean, one person, it was just I mean, the last class somebody tapped across the floor and their shoe got stuck and they like fell and sprained their ankle. And then it was COVID because the flooring, you know, it's like a rec center. The flooring was not great. Mm. I'll never forget. They were like tap, tap, tap. And then it was like smack. And then, yeah, then we never went back. Oh, no. I'm pretty sure I might oh, even no. still have my tap shoes somewhere. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? There is still a part of me that would like to learn how to tap dance, but I would need to go ultra beginner. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe that... uh, There's too many things I want to do and not enough time. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. 
more on that next year more in 2024. <sighs> well, Kate, should we introduce our guest? I would love to. Dory, our guest today is Becca Freeman. Listeners of the podcast might already know who Becca is as the co-host of the podcast, Bad on Paper. But she's also the co-creator of Rom-Com Pods, which is an amazing scripted fiction podcast studio where she is like written, excuse me, co-written, directed, and produced hilarious rom-com podcasts like Bo and Mary Berry, Showmance, and Vote for Love. And she is most recently the author of the really heartwarming, sweet, funny, The Christmas Orphans Club. And she's currently working on her second novel. We were just thrilled to get to chat with her today. She's a delight. And, you know, Bad on Paper feels like one of those like sister podcasts started around the same time as ours. I think a lot of our listeners overlap. So it was like very, it's kind of fun when we come face to face with a fellow Mm-hmm. podcaster in that way. Yes. Uh, before we yes. get to Becca, Dory, I just want to offer the following information to anyone listening. That, that is that we have a website, Forever 35 Podcast, where we share links to everything we mention here. You can find us on Instagram at Forever... That's Forever35Podcast.com. There's a .com at the end there. There's a Not a dot .gov or a dot .edu, a .com. No, just .com. And then on Instagram, we're at Forever35Podcast. On Patreon, you can find bonus content like Season 1, where we recap the first season of The O.C., including the iconic Chrismica episode... We have our weekly casual chat, which is really just what it sounds like. That's the two of us chatting about anything that comes to our heart or our mind. And Product Recall, where we take you on a journey of the history of an iconic product. And that can all be found at patreon.com slash forever35. You can also find our favorite products at shopmy.us slash forever35. There's so much more information. Look, if you want to reach us, 781-591-0390. Call, text. Send us a gif, and our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Kate. All right, Dory, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with Becca. Okay, sounds good. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm, I'm ready. I'm listening. The aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better with unlimited storage and an easy to use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app, you set up the Wi-Fi, boom, boom. you're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given mm-hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm-hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app, so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. 
That is one of the coolest parts, I think, of the Aura Frame, is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have, love it do they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh that's interesting maybe i should get one from my office i'm looking at a picture of my in- children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, The Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also, then you're not taking up your email storage. So, win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code forever35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash forever35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there, the overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos. And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. 
I love the tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've... Devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I've drawn the line. Have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. With no. Honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there. Especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. Welcome, Becca, to Forever 35. This feels like it's been a long time coming, as Taylor Swift would say. (laughs) Well, I'm so honored to be here because it has been a long time coming because I've been a listener since, I don't know about day one, but I would say year one for sure. Well, thank you. But you are also yourself a prolific podcaster. So it's like, uh, it's always fun when like the podcast world of ours kind of like melds together via interviews. It's always very exciting. Yeah, it feels like all of all of the internet's fake friends are meeting. <laughs> yes, we're all all the people you hear in all your the ears are now together. <laughs> all the people of parasocial relationships with are now converging. We've yeah. all become one. <laughs> well, then you know the drill, which is that we're going to put you on the spot and ask you about a self care practice in your life, and it, it can truly be anything. And I, I do happen to know that you are a person who has quite a few practices, but I would love to hear you know. One that's really popping off right now for you in the middle of this holiday season, too. This is often a time that's like extra challenging for any sort of self-care. So I know that this is well-trodden territory on your podcast, but I feel like my biggest self-care practice is walking. I am that Mm. dad who's like, anything can be fixed with duct tape. That is my approach to taking a walk. Well, 
walking is like a it's like been proven to be actually like mentally therapeutic so i i don't think this is like I, this makes total sense to me as a self-care practice i love it are you like does your walking practice predate the rise of hot girl walks on tiktok slightly are you an early adopter well, walking? I, so here's the thing is I've always walked, but I feel like I just tuned into the benefits it was bringing me during the pandemic. So I live in New York City. I used to commute by walk. I had like a 40 minute walk uh, to my office and back when I worked in an office. Um, and so I was walking, you know, I was walking to get my groceries. I was walking to return packages. Like it was just part of my life. And then the pandemics happened and all of a sudden I was stuck in my apartment. And I was like, wow, I have to, I'm my own dog. I have to take myself for a stupid little walk every day or else I am going to start to lose it. (laughs) And all of a sudden I realized what a benefit that I had been getting from walking that I was not, that I was just taking for granted. And I also Mm. had a very creative pandemic. I, I wrote my first book in the pandemic. I wrote four fiction podcasts. I, I do not. I don't know. All of a sudden, I had a lot of time on my hands and a lot of anxiety to deal with, and I just channeled it into creative things. But I also realized that I'm my most creative when I'm walking. And yeah, so now I have like a block on my calendar every day from 1230 to 2 for lunch and a walk. Oh, you do a middle of the afternoon walk? Well, I mean, it's it's daylight savings. It's, it's dark at 4 p.m. Mm. That's true. That's true. I just – I like – I'm always impressed by people who can like take a break in the middle of a work day and go do something completely different and then come and like sit back down and have their body and brain you work. Know, Kate, I used to take a like a three o'clock walk when I worked in an office because that was the time I felt like that was the time of day when my energy really started flagging. So it was like I would usually walk to the coffee shop and get a latte or whatever and just do a little walk. Um, So yes, I I love the midday walk. I wish I did it more. Well, that's why I have to have it in my calendar because otherwise I will never do it. Right. Do you honor it? Like, are there ever times where you are sitting there and you're like on a deadline and you brush the walk aside or do you honor that time? You know how people talk about like, I have to honor it. I try to honor it. How how intense is the deadline? I try to honor it. The other thing I'll do is I'll move it as if it's an appointment. So if I can't go at that time, I'll just move it to the end of the day and try to make sure I do it then. Um, but if it's a really deadline-y deadline, I'll skip it sometimes. That's fair. I'm not like going to be upset if you miss if you don't make your walk every day kate is watching (laughs) well i have it here in los angeles spying on you uh well i have it in my calendar and then i also use this habit tracking app and after i go on my walk i have a goal to do to take a walk five days a week not like a i'm running aaron's walk but in this is a mental health walk. Um, and so then I get a little extra hit of dopamine when I check off that I've done it and it turns it, it turquoise is the color of walking. Checking off of the to-do list item, dopamine hit is like so crucial. I love it. Can I ask, um, Becca, like when you mentioned you're your you're, you're most creative when walking, I find this too, like if I, that I often do a lot of my best like creative brainstorming when I'm physically moving in some way. Mm-hmm. Is that... Do you find that as a writer that like stuff pops into your head just when you're 
without moving around and not sitting in front of your computer? Yeah, it unblocks me if I'm stuck on something. But then, so I I thought I was really hacking the system and I bought a walking pad to put under a standing desk. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to be creative all the time because now I can work and walk and look at me gaming the system. Totally doesn't work. I have to be outside. Oh, interesting. So it's something about the the being outside. That yeah, okay, yeah. I also find it really hard to type and walk on the walking pad at the same time. So you know, it's a little bit of a coordination too. Just doesn't work. What is the status of your walking pad? So I also bought a walking pad, but going into it, I assumed I would not be able to walk and type on it. Like I watched these videos of these people like they're like and then i do my emails on the walking pad i can't do that i have oh to, yeah the tiktok girls can do anything they're like cooking I, dinner I, on the walking pad yes no i so i listen to and edit podcast episodes or if like we have to watch something for the podcast that's when i use the walking pad because i just i just try to like get up and move around um but edit listening to a podcast episode i can do and make the edit notes while on the walking pad, but I don't walk fast. I'm not power walking. It's just more to have my body upright and moving. Um, do you put on shoes? Yeah, I, I do wear shoes. Okay. That's another big blocker. For some reason, when I'm sitting at my desk and then to have to go put on a pair of sneakers, it feels like an insurmountable deal to me. Oh, interesting. I, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, the walking pad to me... <sighs> It's a little bit of like a – it appears to be an easy fix that's actually like more work than it's worth. And yeah. it just like looks really great in somebody's TikTok video. But mm-hmm. I, I've used mine more than I thought I would. But I totally – I hear you on that. Like it's just – it's – there's like a little bit of – what's the word? Like some barriers. entry Barriers to entry? What's that saying that I can't think of? I don't know. All right. You're hit or miss on the walking pad. Do you still have it? I have it. And – you know, sometimes I'll use it if we go through a particularly hot or cold stretch where it's really uncomfortable to go outside and walk, mm. but it's it doesn't bring me the same thing. Yeah. What's, what's the weather in, in New York like right now? Right now, it's 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 kind of nice. It's like high 40s. Ooh. It's fine. Love that. Good walking weather. That's, Did you that take your walk great today? walking weather. No, I'm doing it after this. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll keep you on track then to make sure you don't have to do it in the darkness of the <laughs> afternoon. Um, I would love to kind of just switch gears and talk about your book because, I mean, you know, I loved it, but also it to me captures like so many things about the holidays in a really unique way while still being like a cozy read. So for our listeners, Becca, who have maybe not yet picked up Christmas Orphans Club. Yes. Can you give us like the synopsis that you deliver every time somebody asks you this question? And then can you kind of just give us the moment where you are like, oh, this is the thing I want my first book to be about? Sure. So uh, The Christmas Orphans Club is about a group of four friends who are each alone on Christmas for a different reason. Uh, It's told in two POVs. So Hannah, one of the main characters, her parents have died um, when she was a teenager And then Finn, the other point of view character, his parents rejected him when he came out as gay and he's estranged from his family. Um, And the two of them have built a found family tradition of spending the holiday together, having these fun, kind of outrageous adventures. And uh, the book is told in alternating now and 
alternating now and then timelines. So in the past, we get to see the greatest hits of their past Christmases and kind of how their friend group came to be. And then in the present, uh, Finn is getting ready to move from New York to LA and they are planning what might be their last Christmas together. And they're all in the present timeline around 30 and kind of grappling with um, that time in your life when it goes from your friends being the most important people in your life to having all these competing pressures of jobs and relationships. And so they're really grappling with how do they grow up without growing apart. It's hmm. a really hard transition to go through. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we talk about coming of age a lot with young adult fiction, and I feel like I just keep coming of age over and over again in my adult life. And so every time I think I have it figured out, you know, every five years or so, then it's like, oh, everything's changing again. (laughs) And where, like, when did this or how did this become the idea that you landed on or like the, the thing in your head that you couldn't kind of let go of and knew you had to start writing it? So kind of indirectly through Instagram. So I always had this very amorphous idea that I wanted to write a book at some point. And I thought that that was too big a goal. It was kind of like a bucket list thing, but I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this for real. Uh, It was just something that had been sitting in the back of my mind. And as I said, during the pandemic, I had a really creative pandemic. And I ended up writing... Uh, quite a few fiction podcasts, which is kind of like a radio play. So almost like a TV show without the visuals. Um, and that was almost like a crash course in storytelling. And um, I'd done it a few times and I was kind of building my confidence. And then in December of 2020, on Instagram, people kept asking me what my favorite Christmas books were. And I think they were asking because I love a Christmas movie. And honestly, the worse, the better. Like, your family has competing ins. I'm there. Like, you're a high-powered, undersexed ad executive who needs to go save a Christmas tree farm. Let's yes, go. I love like, it. It can just be completely preposterous. And I am along for the ride. But I realized when it came to Christmas books, I didn't have a whole lot to recommend, not because they don't exist and not because they aren't good, but just I feel like it's a different commitment to watch a 90-minute Netflix movie where I'm scrolling on my phone for half of it and reading (laughs) a book which takes 12 hours, let's say, of undivided attention. And I realized that um, I just didn't feel like I related to a lot of Christmas books because they tend to be really family-centric. A lot of them are about going home for the holidays. And um, Kate, I am a fellow member of the Dead Moms Club. And my mom passed away when I was a teenager. We moved. I don't really have a family home to go home to. And I just didn't really relate to a lot of Christmas books. And so I started thinking, what if there was a group of people – well, first of all, I was like, what Christmas book would I want to read? And then I started thinking, what if there was a group of people who had a tradition that they thought was better than kind of a traditional family Christmas? And what would that look like? And I started noodling on the idea. And I'm a fairly impulsive person. So I thought about it for about all of two weeks before I started it. Um, So we can't say that it had been something that was really, uh, really sitting on my shoulder for a very long time. But that's where the idea came from. But you like, you know, the story really centers on this idea of of found family. And I Mm -hmm. know that's like a very important part of your own personal life. Uh, 
And it's a story that like it gets it gets told a lot, but I also think it it can feel very um hard to figure out how to like create that community for yourself. Especially if you're coming into it as a person who doesn't have like the quote unquote traditional family structure in in play. Um have you had to kind of think about how like how you did that yourself and how you wanted that to come across in the book and also like then having readers who that resonates for? So I feel like the way that I've done it in my own life has not, there's not been a lot of masterminding of it and and trying to be like, here's what I'm building. But I think I've just gravitated towards trying to build really meaningful friend relationships because I have a very small biological family. Um, And so from the beginning, the idea was that these two people, Hannah and Finn, meet in college when they're the only two people alone on Christmas. And that's what I don't have is I don't have a lot of friends who have also lost family or are estranged from their own families. And so kind of this immediate moment of understanding and like, yes, you're my person in the Grey's Anatomy way. Like, I get you. Um, And so, yeah, it was almost kind of magical thinking in some ways to be like, wouldn't this be amazing? And to build this fantasy friend group that was really built around the traditions, but then also not to make it um, – I, I really wanted it to also deal with some of the negative emotions around the holiday season because I feel like you know we, we're so focused on the happy and bright and shiny, which there is. But I feel like for a lot of people, for whatever reason, you know, in my case, because – of my mom's death. And, you know, I feel like everyone has their shit, whether, you know, you, you have a complicated relationship with your own family, you've lost someone, you have your relatives nagging you for being single. Like, I feel like the holidays can also have all sorts of more complicated or negative emotions with them. And and I feel like we don't really talk about that in a lot of holiday content. Yeah. Like so much of what we talk about is how romanticized the holidays are. Like fictionally, they're so romanticized, but then it's easy to kind of focus on those fun and shiny things. But this could be a freaking dark time for a lot of us. Totally. And I wanted it to be both. I, I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression that it's like all doom and gloom. But No, no. I'm not. Yes. And I'm speaking more about like the real world and not about oh, yeah. your like magical fictional world. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like it's the there's so much pressure around it too of having it be the best time of the year and needing to, you know, do all the things you do the other 11 months of the year, but then also buy presents for everyone and plan plan a family gathering. And, you know, there's so much with yeah. it yeah, that you have to make look seamless. Well, that's like the, like the top icing on the cake, right? The making it look seamless. And then like, you know, I know you mentioned Instagram, but it's like, then there's the fact that our lives are so lived so publicly that like the portrayal of how it's going Needs oh, to completely. Appear. You have to or, perform. Or like we, must, we feel like it must appear seamless. Yes. Yeah. Performative joy. Performative joy. What are What are some of the holiday slash Christmas movies that you go back to every year? So my my number one favorite is Elf. There's something just so pure, Elf. and that is yes. just purely so happy. Elf. Um, such I a love comfort Elf. movie. And then on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. I'm a really big The Family Stone person, which I feel like is polarizing. Oh, interesting. I've never watched it. 
I watched it once, but I think I watched it too soon. Like there's a, a dying mom theme to it. Dory. There is. No, yeah. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Okay. And I think I was like, I think I was in my like kind of angry at everything dead mom related when it Got came it. out yeah. or when I watched it. That's the Sarah Jessica Parker one, right? Yeah, it has a really star-studded cast. It's Sarah Jessica Parker and Claire Danes is her sister. And then uh, Luke Wilson, uh, Dermot Mulroney. Like, it's very star-studded. Diane Keaton. Diane okay. Keaton. It has, like, a weird kind of, like, couple swap it. Like, it's like people bring partners oh, home for the holiday and then the part they all fall in love with their person's yes. partner, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like people don't love it because Sarah Jessica Parker is probably one of the most type A unlikable characters in this who does find love, which I love. Um, but she is she is a tough woman to love. She has her walls up in this in this movie a lot. And so mm. I feel like she's a little bit off-putting purposefully. Um, but I love this movie. Talk about messy family dynamics in in movies it's my favorite oh, you're, you're making me want to watch the family stone i would maybe oh, rewatch this good. again too where do you stand on love actually has it aged well no not really <laughs> um it's it's fine i do have some um nostalgia related to it but if you really look at it through a like if you were to see it for the first time in the year of our Lord 2023, I think you would be like, what is happening? Yeah. <sighs> like, I'm sorry. Colin Firth falls in love with his housekeeper. They do not speak the same language. They have never had a conversation. And yeah. then he decides he needs to marry her and goes to ask her parents, her her father's permission to basically export her to another country. Like, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've never had like the thing for love actually that so many people do have. So I don't feel like any particular way about it. But it's mm. interesting to me the like hold it has on people. I I I like it. I will watch it. Do you know what my favorite Christmas romance movie is? I can't imagine you have seen this. Have either of you seen The Christmas Contract? No. What is Hold it? Hold on. I'm just Googling, but I think I would remember if I had seen... No, I haven't. So it is a Lifetime oh. holiday movie. Okay. That is a glorified One Tree Hill reunion. Oh, I see. Hillary Burton's in it. Okay. Hillary Burton's in it. Robert Buckley's in it. Um, Skills, I can't remember his name, is, is in it. Like, it, there is a strong... Uh, showing of the one tree hill cast and it's about you know it's one of those fake dating things where the woman doesn't have i can't remember the circumstances she doesn't have a boyfriend and and so she convinces she's a lawyer she convinces this guy to pretend to be her girlfriend and takes him home and ends up falling in love with him um i think it's great wow okay do you think die hard is a christmas movie no, I think it's a movie that takes place at Christmas. Ooh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. No, mm -hmm. but the main character in my book does think it's a Christmas movie. And I have, <laughs> I've really tuned in to a lot of this, um, this battle on, on the internet. Yeah, we watch it on Christmas in our house. 
or like around yeah like it's become a it's I, our kids have seen it now like it's it's a whole yeah it's like a is die hard a christmas movie is a hot dog a sandwich like these are the great <laughs> questions of our time is a hot dog a sandwich i mean the other question that i we pose in my house that's like hot for debate is nightmare before christmas a halloween movie or a christmas movie mm, that's actually this really is, interesting maybe more of a conversation when you have children but this is like truly we've never settled on an answer in my what house. do you oh, think wow. kate i don't know i honestly don't i think maybe i don't care sure <laughs> but i think it's a christmas movie okay okay like a haunted christmas movie sure yes i mean Reasonable. do you have an opinion dory have you seen it I have seen it, but I, I think I saw it like in the theater. So, I mean, <laughs> when was that? 30 years ago? Like, <laughs> I, I don't um, And, you know, I've, I've seen the Disneyland theming of the Haunted Mansion. Listen, these are the great debates. I, like you said, is a hot dog a sandwich? Which, by the way, the answer is 100% no. This is like, I'll I agree with that. Go to my grave with that one. Becca, please say you're on the side of no. Yeah, I agree. But I don't know what it is then. It's a hot dog. <laughs> what about a lobster roll? Is a lobster roll a sandwich? Yes. No. <gasps> okay. <laughs> I would say no, it's a lobster roll. Yeah. I think Unless, I think anything served on a... I would argue that anything served on a hot dog bun is not a sandwich. Hmm. Wow. Agree to disagree, be, except for this, a hot dog. Which is the debate that tears thing. us apart. I mean, look, this is what this is what makes the world go round, right? We don't all have to agree. We don't. We don't, Dory. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Becca, I wanted to talk a little bit about like how you have carved out your career because I I find and I don't know if I've ever expressed this to you personally, but I find your career kind of amazing. The fact that you like you've dabbled in both like conversational podcasting, storytelling pod, not dabbled, like professionally done it and like gone and like done it hard all the way. And these are not easy industries to just be like, I'm going to do this now and then go and do it. Um, and, and same kind of, I think applies for publishing. Like, and you have, a, you come from a marketing background. So I, I kind of perceive you as a person who is very self-made in your creative career. 
Um, and I could be wrong, but I would, I find it very interesting. And I would love to kind of just have you share with our listeners how you accomplished the things you did. What were the ups and downs? Because I know that oftentimes online perception is not the reality of what's going on. Well, first of all, Kate, I'm so complimented by that. But at the same time, I can say that there was probably zero forethought in that. So it all worked out in hindsight, but it just as easily could have not worked. Um, But I guess the short version of my career trajectory is I, I graduated college into the recession. I got a job in consulting, in traditional management consulting. I did it for two years and I was like, wow, is this adult life? Like this for 40 years? Yeah. This sucks. Um, and so I had a, a major quarter life crisis and I quit my job and I moved to San Francisco from Boston and I uh, found a job on Craigslist as one did in 2011. Um, and I, I kind of went back to that thing of like, what did you love when you were a kid? Like, what do you want to do? And I loved fashion magazines. And fashion magazines were kind of on the way out. So that wasn't really a good place to go. But I decided I wanted to work in fashion. And I just, I was like, I'll take any job I can get. And it happened to be in marketing. So I worked for this custom denim company for a year and a half and then it folded. Um, and I was like, okay, now I'm going to get a ne- an- another job in fashion. And um, I ended up going, moving to New York from San Francisco and I worked at Bobble Bar in like the heyday of big chunky statement necklaces oh, like the J Crew bubble necklace and like just the bigger the statement necklace the better and um I did that for 3 years like I'm a very much like a 2 to 3 years I stay at something and I'm like I'm bored I want to do something else um and then I went to a uh, organic tampon company called Lola, where I was the head of marketing there. Um, okay, wait, and then, can I ask a question? Sorry, yeah. this is a total sidebar. Does Lola still exist? It does. Yeah. Okay. It does. So I, I was, feel like I I see less advertising for it than I like. I did once, and I think a lot of the mainstream brands have also like come up with competitive products. But yeah, um, totally. Yeah, it still exists. Um, okay. That's all. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, and then I decided to go freelance from there and I, I kind of did freelance marketing for five years all in. And when the pandemic hit, I have this friend, Rachel King, um, who we met when we were in San Francisco in our early twenties and, um, we overlapped there for a very short period of time and I moved to New York and she moved to LA. And so a lot of our friendship was crashing on each other's couches when we were in the other person's city and we, watched a lot of rom-coms together. We drank a lot of wine together. And every time we watch a bad rom-com in particular, she would be like, I think we could write a movie. I think we could write a better movie than this. And every time she said that, I, I do I do have a little bit of a practical streak. And I was like, with what time? Like, neither of us have any connections. Like, we both have full-time <laughs> jobs. Like, this is just the most impractical thing one could propose. And for years, every time she said it, I kind of just rolled my eyes. And in 2019, I was in LA and I was complaining that I didn't really like consulting. I kind of felt like a mercenary doing client work. And she brought it up again. She was like, what if we wrote a rom-com? 
And by this time, she'd started a podcast production company, and I had started Bad on Paper with my good friend Grace Atwood, who I met at Bobble Bar. We were work wives there. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. This this does sound like a good idea. I feel like I'd started to, through my podcast, Bad on Paper, I'd started to be exposed to the world of audiobooks. And um, at that time, it was the same year Daisy Jones and the Six had come out and people were obsessed with that audiobook because it had a, um, a different person narrated every chapter. Oh. Mm-hmm. And... I listen to it and there's something contrarian in me that like if people like something, I'm like, it's not that great. <laughs> uh, and so this time Rachel was like, what if we wrote, a, what if we wrote a rom-com, but we wrote it as a fiction podcast. So we started this in January of 2020, not knowing what was coming. And we were kind of like halfway through writing a script. We had no idea what we were doing. We were just making it up. I think that's a good way to go into anything is to be like a little naive about what it takes because otherwise it's too scary. And the world shut down in March of 2020. And all of a sudden, we had empty calendars. We had all this anxiety. And so we really just like threw ourselves into it. And like, I, t- I tell you, we beg, borrow, and stole to like get that first season made. We put our own money in. Everyone recorded it in their closets. Like, we found actors on backstage.com. Like, it was the least professional process one has ever run but we had so much fun and i feel like there's something to like everything i've done is like you don't need to know everything and look like i had a full-time not full-time but i was consulting i had like a an income i didn't quit my day job um but i think there's something to like following following something that just feels fun and seeing if it leads anywhere and not really expecting anything out of it and that's the same with that on paper like grace asked me um Grace is a you know professional influencer and and she has her blog and and she kind of had this idea of wanting to start a podcast and she was like you're my friend who likes to read the most like what if we started a podcast together and I was like okay sounds like fun um and so I don't know I think there's like I think that's a trend in my career is just like finding something that seems interesting trying it out and seeing if it still feels fulfilling and and that's really how it, writing started too. I just like I had this idea for almost all of the first draft. I feel like I fully convinced myself I wasn't going to publish it. I was just going to shove it in a drawer at the end. Um I don't know. You it's funny that your podcast kind of started similarly to, similarly to our podcast where we were just like this seems fun. Here we go. Like it just it, almost like you're not, you're thinking things through and you're making like smart and reasonable choices but it's i don't think we went into it with a lot of like i don't want to say intention because we did but do you know what i mean dory right you like didn't we go just into like, it with mm-hmm. pressure you weren't like we're gonna make a million dollars we're gonna be yeah. the biggest podcast that's ever podcasted because that's so much right. pressure how do you do that i don't know i, I know feel if a I lot knew. of pressure to do that now yeah if you do yeah, know I think, call us I, I, yeah. yeah someone let us know <laughs> Let us all know. But do you have advice for people who are like, uh, who I I think oftentimes we get asked this of like, what's the first step of like either starting a podcast or a writing project or anything like this? And and the most annoying advice I always give is like, you just do it, just do it, make it however you can and make it your way. Um, 
I, I don't know if that you share the same advice, but is there anything that you tell people when they're like, I want to do this thing, dot, 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 but like, it feels so insurmountable. What's like, how do I just start it? I mean, of course, there's a certain amount of privilege in having the time and and having the ability to just decide on a lark that you're going to be selfish and take this time for yourself and do something. But I think something that I feel from getting asked this a lot or um, or like reading advice online is like people are looking for an easy button. They're like, once I figure out how to make Mm. this easy, I will do it. And then it will be simple. And it's like, I don't think any of these things are easy or simple. So it's like, you're never going to find that. You just have to do it. And, you know, with writing and with podcasting, with anything, it's like, you're going to do it. You're going to suck at it for a while. And then if you like it enough, you're going to keep going and you're going to get better at it. It's like, you know, what Mm -hmm. is the Ira Glass thing that it's like, when you start out, you have better taste than you have execution. And so, you know, you have to wait to the level where your execution catches up to your taste. And so I I would not want to go back and listen to our first few episodes of that on paper. Like, I'm sure they were terrible with all kinds of technical glitches and who knows. But, you know, you just keep going and you learn things and you you get better. And the same with, like, my first draft sucked. It was so bad. It was 55,000 words, which is not long enough to be a book. Um, and you kind of just keep going. And, you know, hopefully you find something you like that makes you want to keep going. Um, I definitely have... I'm not a quitter. I have, like, a... I need to prove it to whom am I proving it to? I have no idea. But like, I I definitely have that, like, I'll show them. Don't know who them is. Um, (laughs) So once I'm in something, I'm pretty in it. But I feel like you just have to like, you just have to start. I agree with you, Kate. Yeah. But I I feel like doing any of these things is inherently hard. So like, you're not going to find the pill that makes it easy. What was the experience of writing the book like for you? Like, is that something that you want to do more of? Well, I'm writing my second book now. And I think it might be trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know how, you I know, think you might. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Text me anytime. I uh, literally almost, I, I like, it. just, this second book really rocked me to my core. I'm in that right now. Um, I do, though. I really... I've been a, a reader my entire life. And so the experience of writing something and other people consuming it has been mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. Maybe not in the moment, 100% of the time, but like I have really enjoyed like the overall process and been really proud of creating a book. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it is something that I want to keep working on, but it is something that I is has not been easy this year. Dory and I have both been through journeys with books. <laughs> like I just being on the receiving side of when Dory, when you were working on your memoir and like I know Dory, you've mm-hmm. you've heard it from me this time around where I've literally been like, I don't think I can do this. Dory was like, mm-hmm. you can and you are and you will. And but I pre ordered you your book last week. So you did oh. it. Thank you. It's almost done, but it it um it it's been a journey. I don't even quite like I'm not even there ready to process it yet, but it's been rough. Yeah. But there's something about the like joy of the creative process that like keeps you going. Like it's like, why the hell are we all doing this? I don't know, but we all are still doing it. 
Question for you, Becca. Yes. I listen to Bad on Paper. I am, and I talk to you IRL. I am familiar with your book faves, but you offer great book recommendations. One thing I actually love about your book recommendations that I often, you and I often disagree about books that we like. Oh, I mean, the big. Well, the biggest one I can think of is that you do not like the hating game, and I love. I don't the hating like the game. hating game. I think it's creepy. Yeah, and I'm I've read it like five times, but I think this is it's good to hear opinions from different people in books. But like, it, what are your book recs that you're taking away? It doesn't need to be like end of the year because I kind of find those wrap ups slightly nauseating. But like, what are you trying to push into people's hands that uh, it, are are books that are available right now? Okay, so the most recent one I'm trying to push on people is this book called Maybe Once, Maybe Twice by Allison Rose Greenberg. Have either of you read that one? I have no. not. Um, it's a romance, but it feels tonally very different than other romances I've read. And earlier this year, I felt like I was kind of in a romance rut. I'd read too many of them, and I was getting a little sick of them. And this one is so interesting. Um, the premise is a woman makes a marriage pact with two different guys that if they're still single when they're 35, that they'll get married and they kind of both come to collect. Oh, what a fun idea. Very, very fun book. It was so well written. I wanted to throw it out a window because I was feeling very inadequate by by reading it, but I loved it. And it is one of those books. I think it's really hard to make somebody laugh out loud on the page and it is laugh out loud funny, which I like very, very much respect. Okay. Um, so like that's what I'm pushing that. on people. What else am I pushing on people right now? Oh, I'm in my Catherine Center era. Have either of you gotten into your Catherine Center era? Yes, no. I do. I do like her books a lot. It's Bodyguard. like closed, yeah, like closed door small town romance, which is not usually my vibe. And I am here for it. She's an amazing writer. She's an amazing writer, and she's also a really interesting person. I have never done this in my life, but one weekend a couple months ago, I was like, I wonder what her story is. I wonder like what advice she has. And I just I looked on YouTube and I was like, Catherine Center interview. And I watched this this hour and a half interview she did. Um, and her story is really interesting too. She got her MFA and then didn't publish anything for just got rejected for 10 years because she was trying to write this very literary fiction and then started writing rom-coms and it it like clicked in. Um, but I am very deeply in my Catherine Center era this year. I would say my favorite one, it might be Things You Save in a Fire, which is also like pretty feminist like it's about a a female firefighter who is at a very progressive fire station in austin and has to move home to take care of her ailing mother and uh Mm -hmm. moves to this like curmudgeonly north shore of massachusetts uh fire station where they've never had a woman before and like aren't particularly welcoming either you're speaking both our languages that sounds amazing (laughs) it's so good Wow. A, north, um, a curmudgeonly North Shore fire station? Where I mean, are they? What in could be Massachusetts? Where specifically on no, the No, like it's somewhere on the coast. Like it's not I'm Marblehead, but it's Beverly. like that area. Winchester. No, Winchester. We're, we're now just. I'm going to say what? Swamp. No, it's not. Swamp Scott, Beverly, Manchester by the Sea, Rockport, Gloucester. 
I, I'm not going to come up with it. I'm still stuck on Winchester. <laughs> Winchester's Google not it. on the coast not of Massachusetts. Coast. No. How did I not know this? In my brain, it is. I don't know. It's it's not, on, but it's not. Okay. Maybe you're thinking of it's Manchester. Okay. Manchester by the by sea. The sea? Oh. oh, oh, and you know what the other book is that I'm I'm pressing on people? Um, Meet the Benedettos by Katie Katunga. Yes, that's a good one. I I've just started that one. It is also so funny. The premise is. Pride and Prejudice meets the Kardashians. And so it's this washed okay. up reality TV family whose show is now off the air. They're living in this crumbling Calabasas gated community that used to be nice and is now really crummy. And uh, this up and coming, I was kind of picturing Chris Evans-esque actor moves into the neighborhood and one of the daughters kind of gets in, embroiled in it but you know everyone's kind of looking down on them because they're reality show trash um i enjoyed this book so much and i'm not a kardashians person i'm such a sucker for any like jane austen reboot redo reinterpretation whatever like in any genre there's What's a your whole, favorite like, jane austen there's a whole mystery genre of it now oh um, really uh, Yes, of like really, where they retell. Yes. Well, it's like it's it's like it started as fanfic, but in the mystery genre, so it's right up my alley. <laughs> oh, wait! Can I give you one more book recommendation? Yes. Have you read You Again by Kate Goldbeck? I have it on my shelf. The When Harry Met Sally. I can. I'm looking at it right now, and I haven't read it yet. Yeah. The when Harry. It's like the When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Kind of inspired book. Yes, I have but it. The way I would describe it is an Emily Henry if the people were just bad people. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> I like, I feel that. like in an Emily Henry, everyone is ultimately a good person who maybe has some trauma. And these are like questionably good people who fall in love. And it's so, it's so fresh. You always have good book recommendations. I will let go of you not loving the hating game. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love okay. your book. That's fair. I know you're, you are, are a very kind champion. Do you have any skincare or beauty products that you just want to like drop here at the end of our conversation uh, oh, that you love and want to recommend? I have two. So um, I just cut my hair short. I feel like Kate and I are on a very similar it hair wavelength right now. Thank you. Um, I kind of am in a, my, my book came out and I don't know, I'm going to like blow up my whole life. Like, let's mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. Really? I feel like that. my new year, new me is starting early this year. I feel like it's coming in November instead of January. Um, so anyway, since I cut my hair short, I am really loving this. Who, what do we call it? It's like, I guess it's a texturizing spray. It's by R and Co. And it's called, the product is called Trophy. And it's like kind of a cross between dry shampoo and hairspray and shine spray. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really I love into R that Co. with my Yeah. I've I've used other of their products before, but this one was new to me since I've gotten my short hair. And I really like it. Kind of like makes it look a little like PC messy. It, mm. it but, but do you also like curl your pieces with a like a flat iron or something? I mean, today I did for okay, you. Looks great. Looks really good for I you. To learn how Thank to do you. That. Maybe when I'm 45, I'll figure it out. Um, and then the other beauty product that I'm really obsessed with 
is a makeup product. And um, mm. I got really into the Selena Gomez Rare Beauty Liquid Blush. Uh-huh. Okay, noted. The um, I used to really like cream blush, but this is like a liquid. It almost looks like lip gloss. And it's really Ooh. potent. It, it had a really steep learning curve for me because it's so colorful. It's so pigmented that you you can only use like the tiniest drop on each cheek. But it stays. That is my problem with most blushes is I feel like you put it on, you look great in the mirror, you go live your life for two hours, and then you're like, was I wearing blush? Um, yes. And this stays. Okay. All right. That's a hot tip. Okay. Selena really came through with that makeup line. Oh my gosh, the celebrity makeup lines these days. I feel like they're really they're a lot doing better it. than what we had in our youth. That's for it's sure. True. <laughs> yeah, we just had like Britney Spears' uh, perfume and, you know. Oh, I'm older than you and we had we had like next to nothing. It was rough out there. Elizabeth it was like Elizabeth Taylor Diamonds. Right? Elizabeth mm, Taylor yeah. Diamonds? Yeah. Mm. Which like white, I remember those commercials. White Diamonds. It? White Diamonds. Yeah. But the commercials with her very blue eyes. Yeah, yes. white diamonds. Yeah. Well, Becca, thank you so much for joining us. It, for our listeners who want to listen to you, read you, follow you, give us the the rundown on where to do those things. Oh, yeah. So my book is called The Christmas Orphans Club, and it came out September 26th. So it's still you know fairly new. Um, I am on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. My podcast is called Bad on Paper. And if you're interested in listening to any of the fiction podcasts I was talking about, um, the studio name is Romcom Pods. Uh, the most recent one we did through that is called Showmance. It's like a Great British Bake Off type romance. So I would start there. Ooh, fun! Thank you, Becca. Thank you, Becca. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I feel like I'm I'm living my parasocial dream because I listen to you guys so often. <laughs> I mean, same. Dory, we're back. Hello. This is the part of the show where we kind of check in about intentions that we have set from the past week. And we reflect on how they went. And then we discuss what we're going to focus on this week. And last week, your kitchen was in disrepair. It wasn't in great disrepair. Um, It went on for a little longer than I thought it was going to. And then it was fixed. And I was very happy to have my sink and half my kitchen back. (laughs) Um, It was a little touch and go for a while, but we made it. Okay, good. Um, this week, so we're recording this a little bit ahead. Um, and although Hanukkah will still be happening when this airs. So my intention this week is about Hanukkah. It starts, um, on the 7th, excuse me, and goes to the 15th. And last week, last week, last year, I think partly because Hanukkah was, um, like it coincided with Christmas. Uh, I think Henry got very like overwhelmed yeah. by all the gifts and like all the whole thing. Um, and so I'm trying to not really make that the full emphasis this year and not overwhelm him. He's very excited about Hanukkah. He made a little like Hanukkah countdown Dory. thing, like a Hanukkah advent calendar, Dory, basically. That's really cute. 
<laughs> and he hung it on his dresser Stop. and he put up like a barricade around it and he's the only one who's allowed to touch it i made the mistake of touching it today because i needed to open his pants drawer and he was like mama (laughs) stop because of only i can touch the hanukkah calendar (laughs) come on i was like i am so sorry i didn't know i'm so sorry i won't do it again oh that is really freaking sweet um so yeah he's excited to light the candles i've also made a few i think in the past i've like felt sad because like we didn't have plans or you know whatever and i've made a few i've made multiple plans for multiple nights of hanukkah this year so that's awesome feeling a little bit like okay you know i got this um and yeah you've got this that's so my intention is to just like you know feel feel calm (laughs) about hanukkah (laughs) I guess. Well, um, I am wishing you and everyone who celebrates a happy Hanukkah this year. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, my intention last week was to drink warm lemon water in the morning. And I share this because I was doing it because I was having, I was having a lot of digestion issues. Speaking of mm-hmm. things that freak me out mm-hmm. and getting an MRI. Um, and... I want you to know that I have been doing this every morning and I feel great. Wow. Okay. I w- this is exciting. wake up, I warm up my water, I squeeze a lemon and I put a pinch of salt into it and I drink that and then I have some kefir and then I maybe eat something and then I have my coffee and it is, it's really helps to have other stuff in my stomach before just pouring you know, 18 to 20 ounces of coffee into my gut. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It really does make a difference. Um, So I have been trying to be really conscientious and focus on doing that even on those mornings when I'm like, I just want to like dump this bucket of coffee into my face. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I've I've been Uh, sticking with it. It's quite nice actually. Um, And then this week I have, I'm going to try to commit to trying to figure out how to wrap presents ahead of time. My family celebrates Christmas and the wrapping of the presents, I'm going to be honest, it tends to fall on me in terms of the like labor. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing because my husband truly is, truly is not, he is, his wrapping skills are not, you know, they're not his strong suit. He's got other okay. qualities. Okay. So I don't mind being the one who wraps the presents. I actually kind of like, like I get to hide away and I'll put like stuff on TV and just, you know, wrap away. But I don't want to save it to the last minute. I don't want to be doing Mm. it on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And I know if you're one of those people, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. You know Mm -hmm. what it's like, but Mm -hmm. finding the time to Mm -hmm. do it is Mm -hmm. really hard, but I would love to, I don't know. Are you a person who starts early and does this shit like way in advance? Tell me how you do it. Because I'm not. All right. Well, there you have it. There it is. There it is. Um, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrier, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partners, ACAST. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. 